A proud member of the Earglue Media family of podcasts. You're listening to Bad Gamers Anonymous, a podcast dedicated to helping gamers not suck. Our two-step programs of suck up and get good will help even the worst of gamers just be bad. We review the latest video game titles, cover the latest news, and discuss issues that affect gamers. Here are your hosts of Bad Gamers Anonymous, Bad Gamer Jason, Bad Gamer Joe, and Bad Gamer Crowley. Get good, scrubs. Welcome to Bad Gamers Anonymous. This is episode 88, The Rage on Rage 2. I am your host, Joe. Joining me, as always, is Jason. Jason, how's it going? It's going good, and you? Doing good, man. Doing good. We are recording this the Sunday before Memorial Day, so I hope all of you had a safe Memorial Day weekend. Had a lot of fun. Jason, you doing anything for the holiday? Nope. Nah, not <laughs> Enjoying me my free weekend, uh, extended weekend, so... Yeah, I very rarely get a long weekend. I'm probably going to go get into some kind of debauchery as soon as we finish. I get to sleep in on a Monday for a change. Well, enjoy your debauchery. Yeah, I haven't figured it out yet, but I'll find something. I'm sure you will. (laughs) Uh, What do you guys got going on over at Sadis? Uh, We just finished up uh, our Firefly coverage. Uh, We recorded that this weekend. That will release, not this week, but next week. So this week releases the last two episodes of the actual TV series. And then next week, uh, the review of Serenity, which is the Firefly movie, will release. So we are just about done with Firefly, and uh, we've got an oldie but a goodie coming up after that. So uh, you'll learn what movie we're going to review after after Serenity come next week. I, I haven't seen that movie in so long. I think I've seen the series a couple times since I've seen the movie last. It's so gonna, good. Yeah, it really was. I, I should get back to that again. It's been way too long. Yeah, it's so good. In fact, I watched it twice this past weekend uh, just because I hadn't seen it in a while. And I was going to take notes during the first watch through, but about 10 minutes into it, I was like, no, I just got to watch this and then watch it again and take notes after that because I didn't want to get distracted from it on my first watch through. So, Yeah, I saw I saw Crowley commenting on how much he was enjoying it while he was watching it the other day. Yeah, it was so good. We really enjoyed it. Enjoyed reviewing it too. That's a good, that's a good one. At the Film Appraisers, we have the reaction episode for John Wick dropping today or tomorrow, pretty soon here. And then coming up in just a couple couple more days, we will have episode four, our next big episode. And that one's a fun one. So look forward to that. And I hope everybody enjoys the John Wick stuff. Uh, if you haven't seen it, you got to go. I finally got a chance to see it, and it was awesome. So... Yeah, I enjoyed your your preview episode. That was fun. And I think somebody commented that you didn't want to see any more John Wick, uh, but you did want to see more of the extended universe. Well, you're going to get some more John Wick, it seems. Yeah, I'm really happy about that. All all of our predictions were wrong, by the way, from that episode. (laughs) Every single one. Nothing was right. And that's okay, because I was really, really happy with the product that we got out of it. I'm looking forward to it. I haven't seen it yet. But I'm still going to listen to the episode. so, And I'll probably see John Wick 3 in, in the next week or two. Yeah, definitely worth the time. It was it was way better than I expected. Like I, I went in a little tepid because I'm, you know, a lot of movies, the sequels tend to get a little worse and a little worse and a little worse as they go. But they're doing a great job with this trilogy. Or actually, it'll be more than that now. You weren't watching John Wick. What were you playing? Um, like I do every day, I was playing The Simpsons Tapped Out. Uh, we just finished the Mother's Day event, so uh, that was that was okay. You got a few new characters, a few new buildings. Um, if you well, I got a new building because I, I had one that I didn't didn't have before that came with a premium character. So spent some donuts to get that, but you get a few new characters that you didn't had before. Uh, I think I've played AC Rebellion a couple times this week, kind of falling out on that. It's it's losing my interest pretty quick. Um, played Rage 2, which we'll review later on in the show, and Total War Three Kingdoms dropped this week, so I've put in several hours into that. You're enjoying Total War so far? From oh, yes. Got? Yeah. Um, the, the few hours that I've got into it, um, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. It's... Uh, it's it's a worthy addition to the Total War series. In fact, it's probably 
probably in my top three Total War games. Um, if you if you include Total War Warhammer one and two as as a single game, that's cool. The Total War games were never really my jam, but it sounds like they did a good one. It sounds like they really brought it this time. So I'm glad for all of you Total War people out there. Yeah, these last few titles that they've come out with have been really really good. They've really refined their their games um, and the and the gameplay behind it. So. Uh, they 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 did a good job here. What have you been playing? Nothing good. So I played. <laughs> I played... Hey, I see Simpsons <laughs> tapped out on that list. So I played some more Coffee Court, which is probably the best thing I played this week. Hey, uh, and then I played some The Simpsons Tapped Out, and that's that's a game on the phone. And I played some Rage too. I will say, so The Simpsons tapped out. It's not what I thought it would be entirely. The UI is a little, I don't know, it feels dated maybe. I don't know, like the windows that pop up for everything is kind of strange. Uh, it's better than I thought it was going to be overall, for sure. But I played like a couple, maybe like an hour of that game, and the timers are already in like the 8 or 10 hour range. For stuff, yeah. Um, as you progress more through the the game and go through more of the character missions, you'll get uh, shorter timers that you can hit. So uh, there'll be timers anywhere from sixty seconds all the way up to twenty four hours. It just feels like, and I'm, I'm I'll play it some more this week. I finally sent you a friend request, and then now we can tap in each other's city. I tapped your city a bunch. Oh, I've already I tapped you up. too. And. <laughs> Thought I felt something, and uh, I'll see how it goes. I'll stick with it for at least a couple of weeks. Just not. I don't think it's gonna be my type of game. We'll see. It's fine. It's fine. It, I did, it, it's but it's, the second it's... I tapped in your city the first time and I went there to see it, uh, I was immediately overwhelmed and went, "I don't want to do all of this. There's so much here." <laughs> well, now that's taken me years to get all of that. So. I clicked on your little city icon and it opened up and I was like, holy crap, I'm never going to do this. Yeah, like I said, that took me years to get there. So it's, uh, it is, it, it does look overwhelming. And my city right now is, is a mess. I've got to go back and, and redo a lot of things there because I got to a point where I wasn't actively building on it and I was getting buildings in. So I just dump them kind of somewhere that I had space. I can't even imagine trying to manage that. It's so big, and there's so much crap in that thing. Well, they have a nuke option that you can hit that button, and it totally wipes out your city, gives you a clean slate. And there's been people that have played since the beginning that have hit that nuke button and regretted it immediately afterward, trying to rebuild their city from scratch. Yeah, why would you do that? You just get dissatisfied with your city, and I need to make a change, but you don't want to piece it together, so you figure, oh, a blank slate would do me good until you realize the enormity of all of the stuff that you have. I wouldn't do that now, and I have like six buildings. <laughs> if I hit that thing by accident right now, I would stop playing. <laughs> well, don't hit it. Don't hit it. Just ignore it. <laughs> I haven't even seen it, so I'll try not to hit it. I'll avoid it at all costs. Something else to avoid at all costs is that Sonic movie. Man, news this week, they are delaying that movie for three months to fix that horrible abomination of a Sonic that they had in the trailer. Apparently, people did not like the way that thing looked. Did you like the way that thing looked? Absolutely not. Yeah, that thing was ugly. I mean, the whole movie looks dumb, though. Honestly, <laughs> I, I was kind of hoping they would lean into the. I was hoping they would just lean into how bad it looked and tell everybody to screw off and, and just... Double up on it. Maybe redo him so he looks worse. <laughs> well, I mean, it it is good that they are listening to the fans and going back and, and fixing because there was a lot of fan out uh, backlash over the way Sonic looked. So I didn't realize I think, there was that many Sonic fans left. Uh, yeah, I guess so. But there was a lot of backlash. For so Sonic is somehow holding on to a pretty large fan base. Yeah, I'm, I've never been a real Sonic fan. I wasn't really fond of the games. I, the character I could, you know, care less about or couldn't care I less had, about. So I, I don't know. I had a Sega Nomad. Do you remember the Sega Nomad? Vaguely. That was like the Game Gear that took the full-size cartridge. 
yeah. instead of the little mini ones. Yeah. I had a Sega Nomad, and I used to play, I think, Sonic 2 on it, and I loved it. I loved that game, but I was also like a, a child who had no discerning ability to tell if a game was good or not. It was just the game I had, so I have some fondness for Sonic, but there hasn't been a good Sonic in like 20 years. I don't think I've ever played a good Sonic, so... So, at least 20 years then. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, it's it's nice that they're they're going back, they're listening to the fans, they're going to try and fix this. I don't have high hopes from the movie, I will probably never ever see the movie because I just don't care. But hey, if you're a Sonic fan, then this is probably great news for you. I'll go see it because I love watching train wrecks. <laughs> I just can't get over it. It's like why people watch car racing and stuff. I love I love a good dumpster fire. Well, you go watch it and you can tell me how it is. Another dumpster fire, that Atari VCS thing that's coming maybe this year. They've shown the working models of the controllers this week. The regular, like, modern day controller looks awful to me. But is I'm kind of really? digging the old joystick. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I mean, the, the retro joystick, I think, is pretty sexy. I don't have a problem with the, the modern controller. I mean, it looks like... Uh, it looks like an Atari-fied Xbox controller, and that's my yeah. favorite controller, so... Well, it looks like, like, functional-wise, it just looks like an Xbox controller. Like, there's not much creative about it. I mean, the, even the buttons look kind of the same, but I just think it's kind of ugly. The 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 patterns they went with it, the weird lump at the top for the, the bumpers. The black and orange? You don't like that? The colors are fine. I just, they like, the, the shape of it, the shape... And accents that they went with, you know, the overall face, that weird pill-shaped thing around the joystick and D-pad. It just kind of looks like an uglier Xbox controller. I would just rather use an Xbox controller. <laughs> okay. I mean, I, yeah, I I can see that. I don't. But I'm, I'm into that joystick, though, the retro one. Yeah, I that... don't really know why, but it looks cool. It looks pretty cool. It does. I mean, it looks a ton cooler than the original 2600. It reminds me a little bit of the uh, 7800 joystick that they had, which was the successor to the 2600 that came out late 80s, early 90s, somewhere around there. I vaguely remember getting one of those back in the day. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's retro sexy. And you know the, the the stick rotates, so you can use it for like yaw or playing games like Pong or Breakout. You know, like paddle. Yep, Night Driver. I think it's a pretty cool. I'm like moderately in its Bluetooth or USB, so I'm like moderately interested in that controller, but that's like the only thing I've seen out of this Atari VCS at all so far that I'm interested in. I'm curious to see what the VCS is going to do. Um, I mean, if it's not totally just jacked up price-wise, I might throw some money at them and get it after it releases. But I want to see how it releases and what the reviews are, especially in terms of cabinet quality, before I throw any dollars at it. I'm curious about it. I'm curious to see what this thing looks like when it actually hits the market, to see what it has for power or, or what it can actually do, what the games look like. But I'm not, I'm curious from like a watching a train wreck kind of perspective. <laughs> I'm not so curious from a I want to spend money on it perspective. But that's what you're for. You can spend money on it and tell me all about it, and then I don't have to. Deal. I'll get the VCS, you watch Sonic, and I'm pretty sure I got the better part of that deal. I don't know. Sonic's only going to cost me like 14 bucks. Yeah, but you have to watch Sonic. That's all right. I'm sure it'll be an amazing, an amazing train wreck. <laughs> also, this week, things that have been shown, Sony showed off some of that high-speed loading times, and someone grabbed some real grimy cell phone footage of it. The thing loads stuff fast. It does. About 90% 90, 90 faster than the uh, PlayStation 4 Pro. Going from whatever it was, 8 seconds to 0.8 seconds on the the loading time on Spider-Man was impressive. But what actually impressed me was in that video where they went super fast through the open world in Spider-Man and showed how the PS4 was hitching every time it ran out of loaded environment. Right. And the next gen that they're not naming yet just blew through the environment at rapid speed the whole way. I kind of dug that. That was cool. Yeah, um, it was it was cool to see the video 
about the article that we talked about, I think a month or two ago, um, on these load times and, and the hardware that they're going to be putting in. Again, this is nothing new that we didn't know or couldn't predict that they were going to do. Um, we knew that hardware was going to go or console hardware was going to go towards SSDs. Um, but I mean, it's it's nice to see that they're going to that that there's evidence out there that confirms what they were what they were saying. So, yeah, it's different when somebody says there's going to be near instant load times, and when somebody shows you that there's near instant load times, that's right. a there's a big difference between the claim and the, the proof. So, I don't know. I'm happy with it. I hope both consoles are silly fast on a loading time like this. I am very over watching things load. Well, and and it'll probably be nice to experience this towards the beginning of the generation, but as games grow in both graphical detail and and size of the games themselves as the next generation matures, we're going to see these load times again. It's going to be the the next generation after this one before we see load times come back. I mean, it's all cyclical. Yeah, the load times were never good on this generation though, even when it launched. This generation has had kind of remarkably long load times since day one. But this generation was also, I think, the only generation I can think of where when they launched, the hardware wasn't even impressive. Like, usually when a console launches, in the past anyway, they've launched fairly close to what PC gaming is at during launch, and then PC gaming kind of walks away from it during its life cycle, and then they play catch-up on the new console launch. And the... Xbox One and PS4, when they first launched, not the Pro and X, but the original launch, they both launched like well behind where PC gaming was already. Like when it came out, my PC was miles ahead already. So, well, but this current console generation was going back to an architecture that was more compatible to what they had in the past. So, the previous generation before with the X, with the PlayStation 3 and the Xbox 360, they had move toward uh, a new architecture that they had no backwards compatibility with. Um, and it was a very, very custom built and designed architecture. So they, they moved away from that because they, they had problems both yeah. in manufacturing and uh, getting developers to develop on that platform. So they moved back towards something that was more compatible with, with PC gaming. So the developers didn't have to basically develop on two totally separate architectures. Oh, for sure. I mean, this generation had some big benefits to it, but I just felt like as far as power went, they they launched a little on the slow side. And I feel like load times are one of those things that were symptomatic of that. I I can remember games from the first year, the first six months that had load times that were silly. And it's gotten worse as the console generation has gone on. I mean, the Division has, the Division 2 has load times that are, Oh, just outrageously long. Yeah. I, I don't ever want to have load times that long anymore. And they went, I think part of the problem is, is that, now I don't know what the X has, but I know the Pro, PS4, the PS4 Pro, and the original Xbox had very slow hard drives in them by computer standards now. And you could upgrade them and make things a little bit better, but still load times were an issue this whole generation. And I'm looking forward to that being less of an issue next generation. Yeah, I think the SSDs um, and the the architecture with the faster bus speeds will will make a huge difference. So Panic Games, the developers behind Firewatch, announced a handheld console. And it's a weird thing. And at first I thought it was real dumb, but the more I think about it, I think the more I like the idea. Really? Yeah. Uh, and not so much... Like, it's a weird console. It's a small handheld with a tiny little black and white screen, kind of like a chunky, wide Game Boy yeah. with a crank on the side, mm-hmm. which is weird. It's a weird form factor. And I kind of I kind of like the, hey, let's take a weird risk aspect of this. But the thing that I find interesting is the, the, the game delivery scheme that they've got going on. That seems real interesting to me. I mean, how is that interesting? It's just they're releasing a game a week f- for the first 12 weeks. I don't... So this is so what this is, when you buy the thing, you get the first season. Sure. So every week when you pick up the game, you'll have a new game to play on it. It'll be there. Yeah, I hope it's a game you want to play. Yeah, well, I mean, they're all going to be 
little indie things, but you're not it's not like oh there's a new game to buy this week. It's a like a a seasonal delivery. You buy the thing, you get the first season, and you just get games kind of show up for you to play once a week for twelve weeks and check out. And then you'll I, I expect as this article says, you'll be buying a season if you want to keep going. It's just a weird, neat thing. Like somebody's trying something different. And I kind of like that someone's trying something different instead of just the same stuff always. Well, it is it is different. And I mean, it, it's like you're buying a game bundle is basically what you're doing. You're getting a 12-game bundle. But instead of getting all the games up front and you get to pick and choose the games that you want to play, they're going to slowly release them out over the period of the first three months. And I hope that first game or the first couple games are games that you're actually interested in and, and want to play. Otherwise, you've got a console there that you're not going to really even touch for the first two weeks. It, I mean, I, I see what they're trying to do. I don't think it's innovative. This article calls it an innovative element, but I don't see it as innovative. So the way that they do this on... Netflix or Amazon where they release a series episode by episode that's to bring people back to the platform so they can continue the story that they started with there's no continuation there's no uh, there's no continuation on these games there's no common element that takes you from one game to the to the other from what we understand and they haven't even announced what games they're releasing they, they they're not going to do that until you've actually bought the platform and are receiving the games so hope there's something there that you're interested in well they've announced the first game which is kranken's time travel adventure from and that's from the katamari damasi creator whose name i'm gonna butcher so i'm sorry but it's kaitai kaita takahashi maybe kaita takahashi there we go. You got it. So, yeah, they haven't announced the games yet, but I think the thing I like about the game just shows up, I don't have to think about, it just happens, is if I have it and it's mine to play all of a sudden and I don't have to think about it, I'm not looking at uh, having to purchase the game or anything like that. I've got the console, the game comes, at least for the first season. I might, I might try things that I wouldn't try normally, and I might find a gem that I like that I normally would never have played. Sure. But, I mean, that's a... That's a big gamble for me for 150 bucks. Well, you're getting the hardware too. I mean, it will remains to be seen if the hardware is any good. It looks it's a weird looking thing. I kind of <laughs> like the crank on the side. I, I think mean, that crank is real silly and I'm kind of into it. I I see maybe, you know, some of the uniqueness that they could do with the crank. I'd be great for fishing games, but I mean, we've already got crank accessories for fishing games already, so uh, nothing that's built into the actual console, um, but I, I doubt there's going to be a fishing game on this. I don't, I'm, I, fishing games don't seem to be an indie release. I'm sure they'll find some weird ways to incorporate that crank, and I'm I'm just curious about how this thing turns out. I'm just curious about this altogether. It's a weird thing. I'm curious about this the way you're curious about that Atari VCS trash. Okay. Well, I tell you what, you get the little banana, and I'll I'll buy the VCS, and we'll compare notes. All right, I'm into it. Okay. That sounds good. A article on Kotaku points out that the World Ho World Health Organization has now classified a gaming disorder as an official illness. This is just, I mean, I guess I see the need to classify it separately, maybe, but it just seems like another category in the addiction column here. I think they had anticipated this going into the ICD-11 a while back whenever they first started discussing uh, the new diagnosis codes. I'm ambivalent to this. I can, I can see how this is going to um, possibly help therapists in some of their diagnoses. This is probably going to be uh, a diagnosis that they add on top of another diagnosis. I don't know if this is going to be a, a standalone because I think this is going to go hand in hand with some other uh, mental illness uh, diagnoses uh, like depression, but there there's other compulsive disorders or, or um, addictions. Well, they don't call them addictions in the ICD-10. They don't call anything an addiction in the ICD-10. They're all disorders, but there's other behavior disorders in the ICD-10 that they've classified that kind of fall in the same um, same bucket as this. So this isn't surprising that they're that they're classifying this as well. The DSM is probably going to 
add this here in their in their future publication as well. Yeah, I imagine they will. And I, I think the good of this is that it will now give therapists a help therapists with diagnosing problems like this and give people who have these very real addiction issues or disorders with gaming like they do with anything else, you know, get them proper treatment, maybe help. But I do see this being a thing that I could absolutely see anti-gaming platforms use as some kind of weaponizing. Games are evil. People are addicted to games or like drugs. You know, the the same rhetoric now with another tool to use. Yeah, and but, I mean, this does add some ammunition uh, to their arguments, but I mean, this this isn't any different than... You know they've they've got alcoholism uh, diagnosed. You know, uh, drug disorder, abuse disorder behavior has been diagnosed. Um, you know things like that. It's it's in the same line as that. Yeah, there's there's people that 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 have these uh, behavior disorders that have these addictions or that are susceptible to these types of addiction addictions. This helps diagnose that. The, there's no there's no need to regulate gaming any different and, and probably less of a need to regulate gaming, uh, than, you know, drugs or alcohol. So. Right. Right. I, I'm, I do think it's a good thing. So this is a net good thing. People who need the help will be have an easier time getting it now, but I definitely see uneducated politicians and activists using this kind of thing as a weapon. But like you said, it's no different than anything else, you know, and it's a small percentage of people same same deal as any other disorder, any other thing like this where you get people can get addicted to or attached to these stimuli, outside stimuli. You know, not everybody is playing games and forgetting to eat until they die, you know, but it does happen sometimes. Yeah, and a lot of times that's that's it's a symptom of a of a larger problem that's why i said that this right. will probably be a diagnosis that that coincides with other diagnoses um this is um a symptom that has been brought about by a, a larger uh a larger disorder that they need to deal with so on a much lighter note this next story you are so excited about you wrote <laughs> squee in the notes Yes, I'm so excited. So the Simpsons writers and producers are going to be at E3 this year. They're going to be at the E3 Coliseum, um, and they are going to be there Tuesday, June 11th at 6 p.m. to announce something uh, Simpsons-like. So there's going to be a panel. They're announcing something. They're keeping me in suspense. I'm about to die from from suspense. I I I, I want to know what they're going to talk about. I hope I hope I hope I hope it's another Simpsons game uh, along the lines of of like uh, Simpsons Road Rage or Simpsons Hit and Run. I'd love an open world Simpsons game to play around in. Ah, uh, just I I really want that. I think they're going to thank you all for your thousands of hours of tapping and shut down the Simpsons tapped out. You are an awful, awful person. I'm sorry. To, I just had to get that in there. To even suggest uh, something that <laughs> cruel. Oh, I love you, Joe. Why do you hurt me like that? It'll be a big celebration. Look, it's for the best. You've you've put <laughs> way too much time put as many, evidence many of your city. Into it, yes. <laughs> uh, no, it'll, I think it'll probably be a new game, right? If they wouldn't be at E3, it wasn't a new game. I don't know what it'll be. Uh, hopefully not just some more mobile trash, but yeah, I'd, I'd, something real. I hope it's not a, another mobile game. Um, I really hope it's a, another AAA title like what they had. They haven't had a good AAA title in several years. It's been probably 10, 12 years since the last really big Simpsons game came out. And I want to say that was the Simpsons game. And that was that was okay. It wasn't great, but it was okay. Yeah, it's licensed games don't tend to be very good. Well, they for the can. Most part. I mean, South so, Park had a couple licensed games that were pretty good. The first one was really good. The second one, uh, it was okay. I mean, yeah, there there are a few exceptions to the rule, but for the most part, a lot of them, and a lot of those licensed games aren't coming to consoles and computer anymore. A lot of the licensed games, like a huge percentage, are just mobile yeah. games now. 
that's where most of them end up, and none, almost none of those right, are any good. Yeah. I mean, The Simpsons Tapped Out has been out since 2012, um, and it's it's coming to it's coming to an end. You can just feel it. So I'd like to see them bring something to kind of replace that. The perfect time <laughs> yes. for me to get in. Um, but like the Futurama game, I tried to play that. It was somewhat tapped out like, but man, it was just a grind. It was so grindy and I just couldn't get into it. I'm not a huge Futurama fan to begin with, but that game was not good. I never tried it. I If it's worse than The Simpsons Tapped Out, then I'm oh, definitely not going to play it. You're breaking my heart. The Simpsons Tapped Out is fine. I gave it a rating of fine, and I told you I would keep playing it. Is fine not good enough fine for you? Fine is okay. I mean, I, I'll I'll give you fine. You're not a huge Simpsons fan like right. I am, although I I think the, the game is better than just fine even for non-Simpsons fans. But I think it would be, I think I would enjoy it a lot more if it was, if I was a big Simpsons fan. I, I mean, I'm, I'm a light Simpsons fan, and there are references that I get so far, like little ones here and there that I have laughed at a little bit or smiled at, I should say. No real laughs. But um So see it's brought some brightness. I just to your it day. doesn't That's really all you can ask. A little bit. Tiny little bit. It's fine. Speaking of fine games. Speaking of fine <laughs> Yeah, let's go. <laughs> yep, we're on the same page here. Uh let's talk about Rage Two. Uh Rage Two came out couple weeks ago, it is developed by Avalanche Studios and id Software and published by Bethesda. Bethesda finally published an okay game. Yeah, like it's been a while since they had a game that was okay, and here it is. Uh, the story is very thin, and it's not super well written. A lot of the dialogue and story beats are very yeah, mediocre. Yeah, I mean, what story there is, and there's not a ton of story here, is secondary pretty much to everything else in the game and there's not just a ton of game here either so that tells you about how thin the story is right you play as walker the last ranger because that's not super right. transparent surprise chuck norris right. well sued. it's not walker texas ranger then you're not on texas although a lot of it looks like texas you play as the last ranger in this desolate post-apocalyptic wasteland full of mutants and... And zealots. As you added zealots and hillbillies and and all the like. (laughs) And the only reason you're the last ranger is because when the big bads attack at the very beginning of the game, you steal another ranger's, a dead ranger's uh, armor. He he kept you from getting eaten by this humongous mutant and got dead in the process. And so you're like, well, he's not using this armor. I think I will. Welcome to becoming a ranger. You do come from a family well, yeah, of rangers. Yeah, but you though. weren't a ranger you come at from the a beginning. Family of rangers. But you yeah. No. Yeah, you're right. Like this is definitely a Oh, look, there's some armor. I'm going to take it. Now I'm the last <laughs> ranger. Look so, at me. Really? Your aunt who dies shortly thereafter was the last ranger. Well, she does make you a ranger right before she dies. Technically. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, she was like She like she like she like knights you <laughs> there real was, quick. Oh, look, you've got the armor on. Welcome to becoming a ranger. <laughs> that was it. Yep. But that's kind of how the whole story is written, though. I mean, that's the qualification for becoming a fry cook. Oh, hey, you got the apron on. Welcome to becoming a fry cook. Yeah, and I think based on what I've seen here, fry cooks and rangers are in about <laughs> the same ballpark. So, so like you talked about, the big bads come and attack you in the beginning. They're the group called the Authority because that's not right on the nose, and they come and attack you at the start of the game, aim to seize power and become like the military force in this world. And then the fate of whatever is left after that in the world is in your hands. So you head out to find all these arcs and get these abilities and try to take things back. It's kind of a real light save the world story. Light being the operative term there. And I didn't play the original Rage game, so I don't know how much of this comes from the the previous game. Uh, From what I understand, just from, you know, context in this game, the authority was actually in the previous game as well. And I guess you beat back the authority in the previous game and they just came back with a vengeance. So this is kind of a continuation of the first game and... 
Yeah, this is 30 right. years after. So there's a lot out of that. The first one was also... So there were some problems with the first one that they definitely addressed here. The first one felt like two totally separate games. You had this like kind of open world you could drive around in and do stuff. But then you got to missions, you would like load into an instanced area in the first one, and the game felt totally different in the instance areas. Like it felt like they took two games and cut them by with load screens into each other and mashed them. It was very disjointed and not very good. But the shooting was fun and blowing things up was cool, which I think is a theme for this series of yeah, games. Yeah, so I mean uh, the at least in this one, when you go in and out of mission areas like strongholds and roadblocks and stuff, it's seamless. You just drive up to it and start attacking the the objective, yeah, whatever it happens to be. It's not like it's not no real instances weird in this game. I mean, and, you're 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 all in a persistent world. Um, I d- I didn't notice any load time between me going to a, a different area, even when it was underground or in a building. So right. I mean it's that that seems all real world time there it's it's not instanced or f- and the missions played and felt like they were in the same game as the open worldy area it didn't feel super disjointed so that was a big step forward for this series but if they had released a game that felt that disjointed now it would be a joke there's no way they could have done that this yeah. again uh the graphics i think technically look very good but i didn't find any of the art direction very Good. It's uh, it's very um, you know post apocalyptic punk, and um, yeah, it's it's a gray brown color palette, just like every other pretty much a post apocalyptic game out there. Although I did appreciate some of the uh, neon colors that they put in there to kind of break some of that stuff up, and especially to indicate some uh, interaction points like uh, switches and buttons that you probably wouldn't have been able to pick out otherwise. Um, so I did I did appreciate that. Uh, switches and buttons are typically this bright neon pink on the, on the screen somewhere. Yeah. So they're they're fairly easy to pick out for the most part. So that that bright neon pink brings me to my biggest complaint with this game, the tone. In all of the advertising materials and the trailers and stuff leading up to this game, this was like a big, lighthearted, not taking itself serious, in-your-face, over-the-top action game with lots of neon colors and lots of over-the-top punky stuff. And that is not the game no, that this is. No, it's not, unfortunately. I, I agree. The The material that we saw coming into this game looked made it look a lot more tongue-in-cheek than what it actually is. I think this game kind of suffers from taking itself a little too seriously, and it just doesn't have the... It doesn't have the infrastructure or the or the writing to do that. It's... If they had, if they had done it, if they'd played it more tongue-in-cheek and more kind of off-the-cuff, uh, I think it would have been a, a better game. The The story wouldn't have stood out quite as, as badly as it did. I think this is a symptom of Avalanche and id working together on this game. id makes like Doom and Wolfenstein and those games are way heavier on story and lore and they feel more serious but they also feel way more mechanically sound and they're they're longer, they're faster paced, they're more fun and they've kind of got that area of the shooter market wrapped up in id. And Avalanche, you know, Just Cause and stuff, those are very silly games. I I think that the two of them, they like were not on the same page with what this game was going to be. And it, the game feels like it landed in some kind of weird middle space on tone, and it's not great. It's not great at all. Yeah, and I think the marketing probably came from either Avalanche or Avalanche working with, with Bethesda on that because yeah. the marketing campaign was definitely um, much more Avalanche-like than, than id-like. I think this game would have been way better if it was all id or all Avalanche. I I like both of those studios. I love a lot of what Man. comes out of both of them, but together they did not work and it could have been so good together because i mean id does first person shooters so well and avalanche is known for their open worlds i don't think that id could have made an open world game as good as this 
And I no. don't think Avalanche could have made a, a first-person shooter as good as this. So it almost suffers said, like it almost suffers from two different games again being kind of spliced together. Yeah. Although they spliced way. it better, they spliced it together really well. It's just the tone didn't splice together very well. No, and I actually think that the open world suffered because compared to other Avalanche games, and the shooting stuff suffered as compared to other id games. It didn't feel quite as good as id games usually do, and the open world was kind of, kind of an open world. Right. Yeah, it was. So, so I mean, it was an open world, but you did have definite, you had definite off limits places, um, and it wasn't right. that you couldn't get to these off limits places. It's just if you got to those off limits places, it reloaded your game and dumped you back out where you began, which absolutely just annoyed the hell out of me several times yeah especially especially whenever you get a hold of the icarus which is their little uh flying machine uh it's it's their little gyrocopter and later in the game i got sick of driving everywhere so i just picked up the icarus and and flew every place problems with the icarus uh you you can't really control your elevation all that well i mean you can to a certain extent but it'll only go uh, X meters higher than the than the terrain, which some of that terrain kind of rises pretty quick, and if you don't watch it, you will smash into the side of a mountain because you're you can't gain elevation or altitude uh, quick enough. But there's also huge canyons or gaps in between some of the lands in that world, and if you try to fly over it, like you figure you would be able to, you will dump down in there, and you will be technically out of bounds and it'll dump you back out where you began and so um there's there's not real defined borders so you can go kind of off the edge of the map pretty easily and you can't turn around quick enough to get back in before he dumps you back out uh that was just that was a huge frustration point for me yeah i think the map design in general is poor i found there's a lot of spaces there's a lot like you were talking about canyons just kind of in the middle of nowhere where you're driving along and all of a sudden you come up to a canyon that's super deep that you can't can't pass. It's an off-limit area. So you have to find a bridge or or some way over it. The borders aren't clearly defined. The map does not look super unique in any place. Right. I, mean, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't say in any place. There are places that look unique-ish, but for the most part, you could be from like looking, just looking around on screen without looking at the map. You could be anywhere on the map. Yeah, anywhere in that section. So there's there's right. like four main sections. There's kind of a there's there's a swamp section. There's a forest section. There's kind of a southwestern uh, southwestern canyon section, and then there's a, a like a des- desert uh, dune section. Um, but yeah, if you're any place in any one of those, and you look around, I mean, you you really don't have landmarks or points of interest that you can really uh, tell where you're at. For the most part, there there are a few places where where you can, but uh, for the most part, yeah, you were totally lost if you didn't have your map. Yeah, it's just you know, generic is a term that's going to come up more than once in this review, and there's a lot a lot of the stuff in this game just kind of has that feel. Everything feels okay, right? The, everything that I everything looks and feels okay. The music is another one. What did you think? Did you, was there any music that stood out to you? Not really. So this is an instance where the music didn't like uh, take away from the game, but it didn't enhance the game all that much either. So, I mean, I, I cranked it down to about 35 40% like I do all games, but uh, typically games that have really good music, even at that low of a level, uh, it stands out. And this, I couldn't tell you what the music sounded like. Yeah, it's just a ton of super generic very shootery. You could hear this all in Call of Duty or uh, Battlefront or Battle, not Battlefront. Yeah, Battlefield. It's all just very shootery, metal and punk, generic. I think there's some Andrew WK in there, you know. So yeah. Now the the music did uh, change some whenever you got into kind of danger areas or you were yep. about to be engaged. I did notice that. So, but yeah, they did that, do cues. Other than that, no, the music didn't really stand out. The voice acting I thought was was bad, not atrocious, but bad. There's a lot of it's fine. 
but there were definitely characters that stood out to me as being bad, like hard to listen to. <laughs> yeah, there were a couple of those. Just but, horrendous couple of them. But for the most part, I thought the, the voice acting was okay. I mean, there were a few, uh, there were a couple of, of people that did not do a, a good job at voice acting. There's, there was one, I'm trying to remember, towards the beginning of the game. Oh, it was uh, when you first start off on, I cannot remember whose mission it was, but it was like one of their friends in a hut in the middle of nowhere, old guy. You know what I'm talking about? And you go, no, <laughs> I don't remember that one. Oh man, I can't remember which mission it was. But the the voice acting was so bad that I I turned the volume off and skipped through. I couldn't listen to it. It was <laughs> it was so bad. It was like really slow, and the guy sounded like he was struggling through the lines. Like maybe he was trying to sound like he was really old and having a hard time talking or something. Maybe I'm not really sure. But it was it was awful. Like I wanted to not. I actively wanted to not be hearing it. But like you said, for the most part, it's it's fine. The majority of it is just fine, okay, doesn't stand out good or bad, just kind of like the music. It's just there. Uh, but there were a couple of characters that were rough for me. Are you talking Dr. What's-His-Face? Dr. Uh, oh, I can't remember that doctor's name. He's the he's the third um, third person that you need for the, the main overarching mission. He's, he lives in the swamps. No, you know who I think, you know who it is? Why you don't know what it is? It's the... It's the mission for the settler pistol that comes with whatever the the pat the one step up version of the game. That oh get. yeah, that's why you don't know what I'm yeah, talking about. Yeah, yeah, that's why it just it just clicked with me. Uh, you go into the woods to meet a guy who tells you where to go to find the pistol, or you go to find a group of underground mutants and they have the pistol. He doesn't tell you the pistol's there. Oh, but so that, that was guy a in the DLC. Yeah, and that guy in the cabin was I will I will go back and do that again just to show it to you. <laughs> it's shockingly bad. So, so yeah, that that's horrible if they release DLC with shockingly bad voice acting. Yeah, absolutely. So so that like I'm giving it some negative marks on that one. Uh overall mechanically, like I said the game didn't quite live up to what I expected out of id's shooters, but it was really sound. Like the shooting did feel pretty good. The shooting was, I thought, pretty good. Um, I thought it was pretty much up to id standards. Um, you could definitely tell there's some id DNA in the shooting. Um, the problem that I had with the mechanics of the game was the vehicles, the vehicle driving. Oh. Awful. That was absolutely awful. I've never... Every one of them. Yeah, every one of them. I have never piloted vehicles in a game that had so much damned understeer on it. I mean, you couldn't turn a corner to save your life. Even... I finally got to where I was pretty good at handbrake turns. But, yep. I mean, it's just... The, the mechanics are just awful. And whoever laid out the default keyboard and mouse settings... I don't think I ever played a, a first-person shooter game ever because no. the default keyboard and mouse layout is just atrocious. It's Especially not... in the menus. The menus are awful. They're slow, and the navigation is stupid. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, trying to fight with the default keyboard layout, especially so you have focus powers, and those focus powers you have to focus and then uh, hit another key to uh, to launch your special abilities. And your focus power is control. And you're also having to, like, you know, strafe or move forward and backward as well. Um, and then you have to hit another key. So you're having to do these weird hand acrobatics to, to get your, your special abilities off. It was just. I mean, you don't like mashing control F in the middle of a fight while you're also trying to strafe and avoid being hit by a guy with armor? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or or control space later on, or uh, there was another control R something or other. It was yeah. the The key combinations are pretty bad. Uh, I the controller is probably better. I did keyboard and mouse just because I prefer first person shooters with keyboard and mouse, and so I stepped with that or kept with that. But uh, controller for special abilities is probably better, but aiming is going to be worse on the controller. Now, the vehicles probably control better on the controller, but they control awfully with the keyboard. I tried both ways, and they didn't 
They handled so poorly on the controller still that I just decided to stick back with keyboard because at least the shooting felt better. Like the the vehicles felt a little better on controller, but they still felt like crap. Yeah, especially that Raptor, that motorcycle. Oh man, that thing is so unstable. I I rode that once whenever I first got it, tried it, and I was I don't think I was ever on the road. You uh, that's that's one that will either understeer. If you if you're trying to corner, or it will just totally squirt out from underneath you and and take you off of a cliff uh, just because it's so unstable. I hate that thing, and that's and why I went back. On- that's why I went back to the Icarus uh, because the Icarus I I don't have to mess with those windy turny roads. I just fly directly to wherever I need to go. So once I got the Icarus, I stopped driving pretty much. And the physics seem inconsistent from one vehicle to another. Like, it almost felt like you had low gravity when you drive the monster truck. You just bounce all over the place (laughs) on everything. It was so, it was so, so much bouncier. It didn't feel, it didn't feel rooted in the same physics as the other vehicles did. Yeah. It just, the vehicles are bad and I don't want to be in them ever, but the map is big enough that you have to kind of. So, well, and there's a couple missions that you, you have to take out convoys. So you have to actually fight in these vehicles. And that was just, that was just awful. And it's dumb that the only vehicle that you can upgrade is the Phoenix. Yeah. And speaking of the Phoenix, that's also like trivializes the bulk of the fighting in this game. If you can, the most of the roadblocks or safe houses, (laughs) You can just drive up and sit in place and hold down the shoot button on the Phoenix until the mission's clear. You get like two guys to clean up afterwards, jump out, take out two guys, get back in the Phoenix and go. Oh yeah. Like there's there's not much to it. I mean, the Phoenix is just overpowered for it trivializes all the like a lot of the missions. And it gets even more overpowered whenever you get the mortars. So you just pull up, you dump a couple mortars, you clean up a few more people and you're and you're done with that that roadblock mission. Yeah, the bulk of the missions are 85% Phoenix. Yeah. It's and the combat itself, this is and this is where the id shooter stuff fell short on me. Doesn't feel as fast as the id shooters do and the enemies felt way dumber than the id shooters do. Like there are so many enemies and bosses in this game that you just hit overdrive and stand still and shoot until they die. There's not a lot of and I was playing on hard and there's just not a lot, like, they don't do much. You know, you get these big hulking enemies, and it seems like you're going to have to play into some kind of tactic, and you don't really. You just use your overdrive and take care of them, and that's kind of it. Yeah, sometimes. So when the the bosses are a little formulaic. Once you figure out the boss pattern, they were pretty easy to, to uh, take down. Now, later on in the game, the enemies do get a lot harder, um, and it actually gets to where you really have to run and gun, uh, just so you're picking up enough, uh, feltrite to keep your, your health up. Otherwise the enemies just overwhelm you, um, because they keep coming, uh, more and more enemies keep coming and they get harder and harder to defeat. Uh, their, their health just, I guess, increases as the, as the game goes on. So I really had yeah, to, in the beginning of the game, I was kind of st- uh, stepping back and taking them out from afar, but uh, that that tactic stopped working for me. You know, about twelve to fifteen hours in, I really had to start running and gunning to uh, to clear out enemies. But that lays into my complaint even more because in in the id games, you know, the newer id games, the newer Dooms and Wolfenstein's, there are like some really unique boss fights where the difficulty doesn't come from them just having more health. It comes from you having to figure your way through tactically in the boss fight. Oh, no, no. This that's, game seemed, that's here, too. This game, this game seems to just add more health to enemies as you go and get harder that way. It doesn't seem to be very unique. Yeah, well, as far as just regular generic enemies, the the mutants, the um, oh, that militaristic order, I can't remember their name, and, and things like that, that that still happens. They just they just get health, um, and you you get a few more uh, higher level units uh, that are a little harder to take down. But the boss fights actually do have some puzzle uh, elements to it. You kind of have to figure out uh, what their pattern is, what their attack pattern is, in order to avoid it, and then you have to figure out where to shoot and when, 
and uh, what weapon kind of uh, takes them out a lot quicker. So, so there is some some tactics involved in some of the later boss fights. Some of the earlier bosses are pretty easy to take out with overdrive. When it comes down to the weapons, uh, you get upgrades for the weapons, and also there's a skill tree under like projects where you can upgrade based on each each of the main three you need to continue the story. There will have a little project tree you can go into, you know, like a damage tree, and a you can upgrade the weapons and kind of go with whatever one you want. Like they all seem fairly viable, but the assault rifle just seems like the way to go. Is if you just if you can aim for headshots, you kind of just mow through guys. Yeah, uh, the assault rifle is good, although I use the shoddy for the most part. That that shotgun just it, some of the upgrades that you get. Uh, make that thing a beast and I can just run through and, and just mow through guys with that shotgun. I I upgraded the pistol a lot and just stuck with that because I have a weird thing about liking pistols. I like I like being the pistol guy in games. <laughs> you know, I was always like the pistol sniper in Halo. Uh I just I used the pistol when I had to, but for the most part I avoided the pistol. I I upgraded the the assault rifle and the shotgun, and later on, whenever I got it, uh, that, that rail gun that you get that is basically their version of the sniper rifle. Well, and that, and this is this is a thing that I will give this game props for, is with that upgrade tree, they, they do really make all the weapons viable. If you dump enough upgrades into any one of the guns, it, it stays viable for the game. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that lets you choose how you want to play. I feel like the... Assault rifle is probably the easiest one to just spray and pray with yep. and continue to be successful. Uh, it seems way, way more powerful out the get go than the rest of the guns are. But like I said, like you like the shotgun, I like the pistol. We dumped dumped upgrades into those, and they both helped us. I didn't get quite as far as you did in the game, but I got quite a ways in, and it never the pistol never started getting like underpowered or making the game hard for me. It just continues to get better. It does a lot of damage and. If you if you can hit headshots with it, you're taking guys down in like one hit anyway. So yeah, and and the extended magazine helps a lot too because you yes. don't run out of ammo pretty much instantly. And you get the the perks that are like you can still sprint while you're reloading, and while you're sprinting, you take less damage, stuff like that. So you can you can really get a play style together based on what you like and run with it. Yep. And I. I liked that a lot. Yeah, I liked the upgrade uh, skills and the upgrade tree. I think they could have done a better job of, you know, tutoring you on on what you were doing because they kind of sort of touched on it at the beginning of the game, but they never went back to it because there there were things that you unlocked later on in the game. I didn't realize until, you know, I was starting to get overwhelmed and getting to a point in the game where I wasn't keeping up. And I was like, geez, what the heck is going on? So I went in to upgrade one thing and then noticed that I had availability to upgrade some other things. I was like, oh, that's how this works. So they don't do a good job of explaining how upgrades and skill progression works. Well, and they they overwhelm you with it. There's like 20 pages of tutorial oh, yeah. in the first 20 minutes of this game. And then it just stops. They just, they're just throwing screens of, of text at you the whole opening of the game and then you get through that opening sequence and the tutorializing just kind of goes away. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the real world. Yeah. It's how, how they expect you to retain all of that for the entire game when they're talking about things that you're not going to get any interaction with for hours of gameplay after that opening. I don't, I don't know. It's there. It was a weird tutorial. It was big and fast and early and then over and then it was up to you to remember everything you read for when it became relevant. And they never explained crafting. I had to figure that out no. on my own. They don't. Yeah, they don't really explain a lot of the stuff. They maybe hint at it or reference it once, and you can figure it out on your own. I mean, I was I was picking up all this junk and these materials, and it, I was halfway through the game before I realized that I could craft things. In fact, I had I had picked up the the drone skill. And I kept looking for drones to pick up so that I could use them in battle, and I never found any. Well, it turns out you have to craft those things. But by that point, I had so much material that I could just craft for the rest of the game. I never ran out. Well, there's there's the plus to not knowing a, a major function in the game exists until it's almost <laughs> right. over. 
Uh, the arcs are how they dole out abilities and some weapons. You find them, you clear them, you go in, you stick your arm in a weird hole, and oh, how many little... of us have done that? Just stuck our arm in a weird hole and come out with a Haven't new ability. We all... Don't we all do that? Isn't that how life works? Once a month, at least for me. I had a feeling you were a regular. <laughs> they give you a quick little tutorial whenever you get a skill in like a VR simulation kind of thing. Yeah, that's actually pretty and cool. yeah, and that's helpful instead of just telling you how to do it. And every time you get a skill, you come out and they dump a bunch of guys on you right outside the arc that give you a chance to use it. And I hardly ever did. Yeah, I hardly ever did. I really, I the only ability I ever really used all that much. I used a couple of them here and there, but the one I used the most was definitely the the force push one. Oh yeah, <laughs> I forgot what it was actually called, but that's good against guys with armor, and it's also fun to ragdoll guys against the wall and watch them blow up. Oh yeah, yeah, I loved I loved that ability. I would always like rush in, thump that ability, and then start shooting people, or I would jump in with the smash ability and uh, then force push a couple people and then start shooting. Yeah, that was that was my major uh, tactic. I mean, you could clear out a, a big group of people with just those two abilities instantly. Yeah. Assuming you hadn't already cleared them all out with the Phoenix. True. Well, yeah. I mean, these these are more kind of indoor tactics where you didn't have yeah, the Phoenix for available. Sure. There were some DRM issues with the PC version. <laughs> right, yeah. So Steam had de novo uh, DRM on their version, but the Bethesda store did not. So it was. It took about a day for crackers to uh, crack through their DRM because all they had to do was look at the Bethesda store copy, figure out what the difference was between that and the Steam copy, and boom, they they cracked cracked the DRM. Um, and so yeah, Steam the Steam copy shortly thereafter got rid of the DeNovo version. I hate DeNovo. I do too. Uh it. Every game that I've played that has de novo uses like ninety percent of my CPU while the game's running. Oh, I know. It's it's, it's awful. It's insane. It's so heavy and so over encumbering, and it's crap. And it always uh, gets cracked like within the week that it was yeah. released. So I don't know why they keep using it. I'm trying to remember which Assassin's Creed. I think it might have been Unity came out. It had de novo, mm-hmm. and it was so heavy on the cpu it was it was overheating pcs yeah they had to pull that one too yeah i it's it's a terrible program there are drms that that are better and less encumbering i don't know why anybody uses de novo i hate it but it's gone because go bethesda and their awesome implementation yeah yeah well it wouldn't be bethesda if they didn't mess something up that's true i mean they messed a few things up in this one but this is there. That's the big one. So we've come to the time, Jason. Let's rate it. What do you think? Um, it's a good game. I'm not sure it's sixty dollars good. I would probably wait until it's a you know maybe a forty dollar, possibly a fifty dollar game if you played Rage, the original Rage, and you really like the series. Um, but it's a, it's a competent shooter. Uh, it's decent at open world. It does have some flaws. It's not just the greatest game in the world, but uh, it's all right. I've been flopping between six and six and a half, but I think I'm going to give it a six and a half. Yeah, that's actually right where I was going to land, six and a half. It's not great. It's not bad. It's totally acceptable. It's a very middling game. It's fine. It's got fun moments. It doesn't have doesn't have any amazing moments or any real problems. It's just okay. It's just a good game. It's solid. You know, I wouldn't give it any more praise than solid. If this is your kind of game and you're looking for it, like Jason said, if you were a fan of the Rage series or you're a fan of id shooters and you're just looking for the next one, when it gets a little cheaper, definitely one to get. I don't think it's worth 60 bucks either. It's fine. I I am disappointed. I, if they had gone with the tone in the marketing material, I think it would have been a much better game. And they missed that. I, that said, I will probably finish it. I'm not quite done with it, but I will probably stick with it till the end. It's not like bad. It's just fine. It's- well, fortunately for you, there's not a ton there. So I finished it in a little over 20 hours. I spent several more hours just 
doing some side missions that uh, that I hadn't done yet and picking up all the arcs that I had missed. That took me about another five hours. So, you know, 25, 27 hours, you should have pretty much everything done. Um, so I spent too much time chasing question marks when I first started. And I, I did Oof. a lot of that too. And that helps you actually level up and progress so that the, the later part of the game isn't as hard because the, the final boss battle is, is fairly difficult um, just because they throw so much at you at once. But um, so that, that should help you out. But again, it shouldn't take you more than 20 hours to get through the, the main mission. Yeah, you know, I'll I'll play through the mission, you know, maybe if, if I have, if any thoughts change in the times that I finish, you know, I probably have a third or so-ish left of the story, and I'll, I'll bunch of open world stuff left to take care of, uh, maybe, maybe half, I'm not really sure where I am in the overall story arc, but if any of my thoughts change in that time, I'll, I'll say something on the show, but like I said, I think we're both pretty much in the same spot, six and a half here, pick it up if it's on sale. Yeah, definitely. Oh, and it might, so I may have a few more hours because those stupid containers, oh, f trying to find those stupid containers is a huge pain, but, um, and even when, whenever you get the tracker skill, the container still kind of sucks. So that may have added a couple hours to, to my total playtime just because I wandered around trying to find a few containers for a while. Yeah. Well, yeah, like you're talking like the, um, the little pink top chests. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Every time you go, I've, I've spent a lot of times jump out of the Phoenix, you kill a bunch of guys, jump out of the Phoenix, finish them off, and then wander around that area for like 15 minutes looking for the last yes. yeah. chest. Yeah. I, I can't find it anywhere. Just wandering around looking for the chest. I usually find it. There's a couple I've gotten frustrated with and driven away. I don't care that much. I'm over it. <laughs> I found them all, so. <laughs> I don't have patience like that. I didn't either, but it was making me mad. <laughs> uh, on that note, thank you everybody for listening. Don't forget to check out Sadis and TFA. We've also got some great stuff going on over with the Cantina cast. And Crowley just dropped another Simply Stogies. That was a good listen. So, Go check it out. They're all over at eargluemedia.com. Also check out us out on the Discord at eargluemedia.com slash Discord. We're all in there being horrible to each other. It's a lot of fun. Anything you want to add for the show to the end of the show there, Jason? Crowley still loves Swotor. He does still love Swotor. He was playing Friday night, in fact. So with that, we will see you all next week. Thanks for listening. Crowley's still playing Swotor. He's probably playing right now on his holiday weekend. We'll see you next week. Later. Bad Gamers Anonymous is not affiliated with any video game developer or publisher. The views and opinions expressed in this episode are those of the host and not of Earglue Media. And they're probably terrible. Executive producer for Bad Gamers Anonymous is James Dean. Get good, scrubs.